a Catholic, a Lutheran, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Nazarene, and a Unitarian Universalist were sitting together in conversation. And they started discussing what the true meaning of Easter is, or what they understood it to be. And the Baptist said, I believe we put too much emphasis on chocolate bunnies and colored rabbits and Easter eggs instead of spiritual aspects that are the real meaning of Easter. Like I believe, well, that's what I believe. And the Methodist said, me too. And the Lutheran said, me too. And the Catholic said, me too. And the Nazarene said, me too. And the Unitarian Universalist was silent. Well, I believe the real meaning of Easter is that Christ died on the cross for our sins, said the Methodist. Me too, said the Nazarene. Me too, said the Lutheran. Me too, said the Baptist. Me too, said the Catholic. And the Unitarian Universalist was silent. Well, I believe the real meaning of Easter is the triumph of Jesus over the grave, said the Lutheran. Me too, said the Catholic. Me too, said the Nazarene. Me too, said the Baptist. Me too, said the Methodist. And the Unitarian Universalist was silent. I believe the real meaning of Easter is not only what each of you have said, but also that all people who believe in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus are cleansed of original sin through baptism and are restored to the favor of God, and many share his eternal life, said the Catholic. Me too, said the Nazarene. Me too, said the Baptist. Me too, said the Methodist. Me too, said the Lutheran. And the Unitarian Universalist was silent. I believe the real meaning of Easter, in addition to what has already been said, symbolizes that the bodies of all people will be resurrected and joined to their souls to share their final fate, said the Nazarene. Me too, said the Baptist. Me too, said the Methodist. Me too, said the Lutheran. Me too, said the Catholic. And the Unitarian Universalist was silent. The group turned to the Unitarian Universalist friend, whom they all recognized as a little strange, and said, your silence is a mystery to us. Just what do you believe as a Unitarian Universalist is the real meaning of Easter? The Unitarian Universalist said, I believe the real meaning of Easter is the appreciation of life's renewing cycles and that for all things there is a season. 
I believe the real meaning of Easter is the acknowledgement with its accompanying sadness of a very human Jesus who was forced to die on a cross because of his liberal religious views and beliefs. But most important of all, I believe the real meaning of Easter is the celebration of thanksgiving for the presence of the sacred in each and every living person and thing, for the presence of the sacred in the birds that sing, for the presence of the sacred in the flowers which sway and the grasses which rustle in the gentle breezes of spring. This is what I believe is the real meaning of Easter, said the Unitarian Universalist. Me too, sang the birds. Me too, waved the flowers. Me too, rustled the grasses. Me too, sighed the wind. And all the rest were silent. That's adapted from a story by Jim Wallace. And... uh, was included in an Easter sermon by Reverend Michael McGee. Not long ago, I was reading through some Easter sermons by other Unitarian Universalist ministers, and I ran across a story from a man who had grown up Unitarian, And he was telling the story of Easter the way that he had been taught growing up in a Unitarian church. It included details about uh, the Roman guards and and, um, how crucifixions happened. But then when it gets to the part after Jesus' crucifixion, placement in the tomb, in the days that go by, when Mary, the mother of James, and Mary Magdalene show up at the tomb and the stone is, has been rolled away and Jesus isn't there anymore, he goes into this explanation that, well, probably what happened is some other friends came and got there earlier and took Jesus away to be buried and uh, just didn't tell anybody. And I'm thinking... Now, is there any more proof for that than there is than there is that angels were there? It, I mean, just just you know, the speculation is all is the only point that I'm making. I thought it was really sad that when he was somewhere between three and seven in his mythical, literal, developmental stage, someone robbed him of the power of the story by telling him specifically, you don't have to believe that. Telling a child three to seven, you don't have to believe something, is the same thing as saying it's a lie, isn't it? Because the shades of gray and the abstract kind of thought that we have as older adults haven't developed yet. And big stories are really important. How far out of our way do we go 
Many of you may do this. I don't know. I was not good about it. I didn't do it. How far out of our way do we go to tell our children that Superman's not real? That Santa Claus isn't real when they're that age? The Dumbledore isn't real. Um, we just we just don't go to those lengths, right? We don't have to, but somehow we carry with us things that we grew up with, probably that tell us it's really important that we for the people around this minister when he was growing up, it was really important for them to tell him that story wasn't something he had to believe. Now, people don't generally get up and walk around after they die. Right. Um, and we don't have to believe that. But we also don't have to, to diss someone else's understanding. I'm trying to find a page I lost already. Reverend Jean Rosbecca told a story about a Jesus who had a beard with a braid down his back, probably ate with his hands from a common bowl, didn't change his clothes very often, didn't brush his teeth, and said, now, Unitarian Universalists don't have any trouble believing in a Jesus like that, the very human Jesus. She went on to say there's little reason to think that Jesus thought of himself as the Messiah. I think that's in people's reading of the, the story. But most Unitarian Universalists find it easier to imagine Jesus is human, and we would be fine with that, except that resurrection shows up on our calendars every year as an Easter holiday that the government r- recognizes and um, that the schools shut down for. And so, what are we to do? We might take a look at the book of Mark, which was written, some, uh, and this is all from Reverend Rosbecca, that was written some 70 years after Jesus' life. And there are scholars, according to Reverend Rosbecca, and from what I've heard when I was in studies, um, in religious studies, that think that Mark originally ended 
when the Marys get to the tomb and discover Jesus isn't there. That it took a couple of hundred years for more of the story to be added. Well, can you imagine what the world would be like without the rest of that story? Some people think that resurrection has to be about the resuscitation of a corpse. And that's not true. At least that's not our kind of story. For us, it's like this. We know that when something is wonderful as the message of hope that permeated a culture, catches hold, it doesn't ever die. The Roman government tried to stomp it out. But the lessons of compassion and inclusion that are a part of the story of the Christian stories are things that would not be a part of our culture most likely without those stories. For that reason, if for no other, I think we owe a pretty good bit of gratitude to that tradition. But also, and I also think that Jesus' departure from the planet made the stories of hope possible. And it also made it possible for the people that were followers of Jesus in that time to have to grow up some spiritually and make some of their own decisions. Decide how they were going to live, how they were going to perpetuate um, things that had inspired them. and find some ways to answer their own questions about the mystery with a whole lot less scientific data than we have these days. Sometimes things that we know best or hold closest to have to give way before something unexpected or fully understood, perhaps better, can have place in our lives. Clearing the way for a new understanding can be done in a number of ways. It can be done very methodically and slowly and, and studiously and tediously, like emptying a swimming pool with a spoon. Some of you may recognize that metaphor. It can be done but it takes a lot of commitment and a long time clearing the way. Clearing the way can happen suddenly 
drastically and dramatically, like tsunamis or earthquakes or hurricanes or the loss of something very important to us, someone around whom we've centered our world. I don't recommend that as a plan for how to clear space in your life. And then clearing the way can also be an irregular process that happens here in bits and there in sweeps and with space and time between the clearings. Dots and dashes like Morse code. You do what is in front of you to do. If you encounter something, a roadblock, a stumbling block, a habit that needs clearing, you deal with it as you come to it, right? You might have a schedule, you might not. And one may never complete the the task or the process because it's ongoing, but at least in this way, it's not overwhelming. It's not overwhelming like trying to empty a swimming pool with a spoon. It's not overwhelming like being hit with a tsunami. Yesterday, I went downtown to hear uh, Gabriel Foray's Requiem at First Methodist Church. I pulled up and parked in the parking lot and got a little distracted trying to figure out whether you have to pay for those parking lots on holidays or not. Um, and started in across the street, and I looked up, and walking in front of the church were people in street clothes and, and monks in long brown robes, and um, they were walking away. And I realized this was people that had been at something called the Way of the Cross, which happens here in town each uh, Good Friday. The Catholic Diocese puts it on. They were walking away. I crossed the street, made my way past the speaker's podium that was there because that's where the way of the cross had ended on the steps of the Methodist Church. I went in, the uh, requiem began, and then I realized I didn't think I had locked my car. Inside at the requiem, there was this beautiful mix of orchestrated music, sweet violin, a beautiful, rich baritone soloist. The choir was great. Um, but as they finished a number, I slipped out to go see about my car. After I had secured it, I turned around to stood at the traffic light waiting to cross the street to go back, and a family came whizzing by on bicycles in their reflective orange or green or whatever you call that and, and, and spoke very pleasantly. You know. The wind was whipping around and it was just, it felt great. It was a beautiful day. The air just felt vibrant. And here was this family enjoying their holiday weekend. And I thought, yes. Life is all about these intersections 
between the history and tradition that I saw with the monks and the people doing the way of the cross, which is usually a very solemn, quiet walk, as I recall. I've I've done it with them a time or two. And inside, there was this gorgeous, soaring art. And outside, there was this family doing physical activity. But there had to be space for each of these things. The people participating in each of these traditions had to make space in their lives for what had meaning. And all of those things have meaning. Our deciding that they don't have meaning in our life doesn't mean that we have to deny the meaning in someone else's life. Our deciding that they do have meaning in our life doesn't mean that someone else has to believe they have meaning. And I think that's what being Unitarian Universalist is about. If we think in constants, we run into crosswinds. We have to pause sometime and let the winds that go the other directions move by. Or we just get buffeted around and beat up. Dots and dashes, I think. Pauses need to be part of our life. They clear the way for what's next. If our hobgoblin consistency is uh, to hold to one unchanging, inflexibly constant course, whether of thought, of action, of feeling, no doubt we will suffer the consequences. So let yourself open. Feel yourself expanding in direct proportion to how much space you leave in your life. This is the season to brush away the insulation, the dead layers of winter, and to clear the way for your life and new life to happen.